God's asked you to do. Um, because really what people want when they say, well, how do I know the will of God? That well, They want to know what road to take, how far, how long, how, and, they, and most importantly, I want to know what the results are going to be. <laughs> well, that's not really asking God, you know, what's your will, right? Because his will is for you to do the next thing he just asked you to do. And uh, Abraham, when God called him, um, you know, in Genesis 14, God's calling him to leave and, and uh, he heads off to Ai and Negev and he ends up in Egypt and all of this. God didn't tell him any of that, but that's where he ended up. And when God called me as a young man in Bible college uh, uh, into the ministry and I was struggling with that, I, I knew that God was calling me, but I was struggling, you know, with it. And uh, because my grandparents were missionaries and my parents were missionaries and everybody in my family were missionaries. And I said, I don't want to be a missionary because they were all poor. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, I don't want to do that. I want to be rich, you know, and I wanted to be an architect and I was going to go and, uh, you know, be an architect. And I had a goal. I wanted to be a millionaire by 30 and I wanted to be retired by 50. And I had all these things. And then God says, you know, I want you to be a missionary. And I was like, no, you can't do that, you know. That can't be right. And, uh, but when I did the next thing, which was I, I went to Bible school. I didn't know where I was going to go from there. And uh, we then pastored in Falmouth, uh, Kentucky for 10 years. And, um, and then we ended up in the mission field uh, for 12 years in the Czech Republic. Uh, then I served as the, the director of the Jesus Film uh, well, now for the last 12, 13 years. <laughs> and, um, and then we just finished pastoring in Florida for five years. And all of those places, God never showed me that when I answered the call. I didn't know any of those places. But that's where we were, and that's where we served. And I didn't see Greenfield e either 40 years ago. I didn't see Greenfield. You know, but here we are. But in each case, I can tell you how God showed it as the next thing. And we're pastoring in Florida, and, um, you know, five years ago, uh, I was doing the Jesus film, and, and uh, that was kind of winding down, not in a, that, a ministry aspect, but just from an administrative aspect and so forth. And, and, um, and we felt like maybe it's time to get back into local church ministry. And so uh, we were looking for a church that needed a lot of help. And because I, I just like that challenge, or that I just feel like that's where my gift set is. And um, it's just that Florida wasn't on our radar. We sent our resume to a lot of states, and Florida wasn't one of them. And uh, Tom Armager said, hey, John, why don't you put your resume into Florida? And... Um, because all the churches that were contacting us were established churches that just needed me to come and preach and kiss babies and tell them how great they were, you know, and all of that. And I just didn't sound very challenging. And, and as soon as I sent my resume to Florida, I get a call, and uh, it's where we ended up at. And it was a restart. And we got there, and it needed a lot of work. You could see the sheeting on the roof, you know, the shingles were missing and, and the church hadn't had anything done to it in years. And so the last five years, we've been 
revitalizing the church from a spiritual standpoint, from a financial standpoint. When we got there, they didn't have any money. The, the secretary or the treasurer was saying, uh, so which bill do you want me to pay? <laughs> like, what do you mean? You know, well, we don't have any money. So, and God helped us to revitalize that in over five years. I remodeled with a lot of help, but remodeled the entire church. New roof, uh, new sanctuary, new everything has been done. And so we were like then looking at one another, now what do we do? You know? And uh, so, well, I'm about, you know, some people think I'm about ready to retire. Maybe we could just stay here and live off the fat. You know? It's a pretty nice, you know? We're, we, gotta, we don't have to work anymore. It's all done. And we begin to feel really uneasy about that. And we begin to pray about it. And when we realize God was saying, I want to move you. Where? We didn't know. And then we just really realized we were going to move back to Indiana. I said, to what? We don't know what to, you know. And so we moved back to Indiana, and we moved in with my daughter, and she's like, boy, I sure hope the Lord tells them what his will is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but when we made that decision, we made it completely independent of anyone, and um, we were, uh, my daughter and, and uh, her husband Jason were pastoring also in Florida, and, and um, they stopped by on their way home one time from visiting his folks, and they said, hey, we just want you to know we think God's moving us. We were, oh, that's interesting. Uh, let us let, tell you a little secret. We're moving too. <laughs> and uh, to make a long story short, God has put us together here in Greenfield. And, um, you know, I thought now as I get into my golden years or gray years or whatever they are, um, that, you know, I could in, sit back and just enjoy and, and be able to just give advice or something like that, you know? And um, so we end up where the Indiana South District closed the Greenfield Wesleyan Church uh, a while back. And, um, and so it's sitting there, and they wanted to, to start a new church in Greenfield. And uh, I knew Dr. Mark Eckert, and I was going to call him, uh, Cindy Knipp, which was his secretary, is my sister-in-law, and she said, you need to call Dr. Mark. They want to start a new church in Greenfield. And so I, she said, call him on Monday. Well, he died Sunday. I was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't what God wants. Well, I said, she said, well, um, uh, Doug Preston is going to be the new, oh, I said, Doug Preston, he's a good friend of mine. Mark was too. I went. We were classmates in school, but um, I I knew Doug well, and God began to move, and here we were, and we was like, oh wow, God's doing this, and we ended up together. We went to see what they were wanting, and I was like, oh man, and I knew he doesn't do that kind of work. <laughs> He's a voiceover artist, you know. He's an actor, you know. Uh, everywhere I've been, I've been a builder, you know. And, and I was like, oh, man, I, I don't get to sit back and eat fat 
And so since Ju July 1st, we've been remodeling. Oh, my. So we've remodeled the parsonage. We got that done. We're now in the fellowship hall, and we're working. Um, and uh, for free, <laughs> I said I've never worked so hard in my life for so little. Um, because, uh, well, there's no church, so there's no income. And, uh, but we keep going, well, uh, God, we can only do this for so long, and yet God keeps for providing. I don't know um, uh, where the money's coming from. I don't ask. My wife does that. I don't ask. And uh, as long as God's providing, we'll keep serving and working. But we have a lot of work to do. And um, there's just so many aspects about it that um, uh, have been just neglected over the years. And um, um, the, the church we haven't even touched yet. And um, uh, just some huge challenges with the church, uh, water issues and um, foundational issues and things like that. And so we have a lot of work ahead of us. My hands are uh, not as strong as they used to be, but God is strengthening them and we're getting a lot of the work done. And uh, we're just really here this morning to ask you to pray for us, partner with us. All my ministry has been built on partnership. I've never done anything really by myself. Whether it was in the Czech Republic, it was the relationships that we built that got you know, the ministry to where it was. Um, and uh, uh, everywhere we have been, it has been uh, with others. And so we invite you to partner with us, encourage us, uh, pray for us, and strengthen our hands if you can. And we invite you to do that. I'm going to let Jason have the balance of the time. I was going to preach for an hour, but um, no, he's going to come. Jason is my son-in-law. Um, he was saved in our ministry in Falmouth, Kentucky as a uh, young boy um, in our kids' ministry, and I had no idea that later he would marry my daughter. Um, I wouldn't have given him permission then. I don't know. <laughs> well, it is really good to be here with you guys this morning. Thank you, uh, Pastor Theo, for giving up the sacred space. Uh, for allowing us to preach. Uh, if you haven't said thank you to your pastor in a long time, uh, this will be a great week to do it. And they'll say, oh, the other pastor told me to do it. It doesn't matter. I promise you an extra thank you note, slide a gift card in there, whatever you need to do to say thank you to your pastor because I know there's things that he does that you never will know. Uh, and countless hours of sleep that is lost and energy that is spent. So I always say that when I go to a place to guest speak. If you can give a little extra thank you to your pastor, do this. Let's give it up for Pastor Theo because he needs it. We need it. My question for you this morning is, have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever just felt so stuck that you had nowhere to go? That you felt like if I could just get this thing done, I would get unstuck. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe it's with your coworkers. Maybe it's spiritual. You just feel stuck. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, when I felt stuck, I would think, okay, if I could just get this next thing done, I wouldn't feel stuck anymore. If I could just graduate high school, college, if I could just get married, if I could just get this certain car, if I could just own a home, if I could stop eating when I felt bad, if I could just stop shopping on Amazon, if I could just stop this, then I, if I could read my Bible more, maybe that's it. That'll get me un. 
stuck. If I could just, and you fill in the blank with you. I'm sure you've had those conversations with yourself and with God. If I could just feel stuck. You feel thin, spread out, as Bilbo said to Gandalf. I don't know if you're any Lord of the Rings fan, but he said, I feel like butter spread over too much bread. I was going to call the message, How Not to Feel Thin, but the holidays were coming up, so I figured we didn't need any help not feeling thin, so I went another direction. Since being from Florida, I thought about being something I'm an expert in, and that's being stuck in the snow. Not really. But being stuck in, I do know being stuck in the snow means you need traction to get out of the snow, right? You need traction. You need someone to help push. You've got to help some ability to get out and get tractions. This morning, spiritually, do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're just not getting any momentum, any, any progress? Do you feel stuck? Are you spinning your tires over and over? Maybe giving it some really good spiritual gas, trying to do more, spin more plates, put more, what is it, irons in the fire, to do more. But yet you feel like you're just spinning and you're getting actually deeper stuck in the mud or the snow. You may be in that season right now, so you need to listen, lean in, and apply it. You may be able to relate to this message because you just came out of this season. And you'll say, well, I've never experienced that. Guess what? It's knocking on your door. If you've never experienced a season of being stuck, it's coming. So use this today to prepare for that time. But for most of us, we have gone through a season, or we're in it right now, where we know what it feels like to be stuck. Now, this is just my opinion, but my opinion is that the reason for the stuckness is that we are living more for ourselves than for God and for other people. We're more concerned with our own comfort than the care of those around us. Even those of us who call ourselves Christ's followers, we feel stuck because we're not living out our full missional potential, what God has created us to be. The big fancy word is vocational calling. You've maybe heard that word before, vocational calling. When you hear the word vocation, what do, you, what do you normally think about when you hear vocation? Tell me. Your job, your work, right? But it's so much more than what you do for your paycheck. Vocational calling, I think it's going to be on, we have, this, we have that slide, I think it's going to be on there. Vocational calling is a divine calling from God on your life. It's like a missional umbrella that overarches everything, every different parts of your life. Not just where you work, but where you live and where you play as well. Just for example, if, let's say you're a nurse and you're cleaning bedpans and you're going, God called me to do this? This is, this is my job. Yeah, that's what you do for a paycheck, but maybe the nurse's overarching missional calling is to help people who can't help themselves. That's also my wife's mission statement, to help people that can't help themselves. <laughs> maybe what yours, maybe you haven't discovered what God has called you specifically to do. So maybe don't leave today or don't turn your device off until you're finished talking to God and discovering what it is that God has called you to do. When we have a grasp, a deep understanding of our vocational call, it helps us answer the big questions in life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do I get out of bed in the morning? Why do I keep doing the same thing? Why, why am I here? It also answers questions like this. What gives me energy when I do it? What propels me forward? After I have served in this capacity, what has God 
created me to be and do. In Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we're going to be, if you want to turn to your Bibles, your, your phone, your tablet, I don't know, carrier pigeon, I don't know what you use to take notes or whatever, but open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, it should be on the screen as well. And the Apostle Paul gives us some insights into answering those types of questions. And I thought we could take time and together look at perhaps this would be the place that we start revitalizing the passion that's been lost, especially if you feel stuck, to live out our mission here on earth. Now, I'm going to assume just for the sake of time, I have till 12.45, right? We said 12.45? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. When do we get out? Seriously, when do we get out? 11.45 usually? Okay. I just want to know. Two hours tops. I'll be done. Just kidding. I'm going to assume for the sake of time, I'll go a little faster, is that Pastor Theo has already taught you about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Somebody nod if you've heard those words. Good. Okay? Six words, super easy to say. Love God, love others, make disciples. Super easy to say, drastically important to grasp in our life. Assuming that we're building on that foundation, that you know that it's most important to love God, to love others, and make disciples. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is writing from prison. Most scholars say he was probably in prison in Rome, writing to the church in Ephesus. The first part of chapter 4, he's just making sure that we're all on the same page. If you've been in ministry at all or you know anybody in ministry, our main, number one job is to make sure everybody's on the same page. We're pushing forward all together in unity. And Paul says there's one God, there's one spirit. We are one church. He used the word one over and over and over again. Be unified, be mature, be unified. He said it over and over again. And then he breaks it down specifically in verses 11 through 16. That's where we're going to be today. So verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. For what purpose? For what purpose? Verse 12 says, to equip his people for works of service. I really could end there. I'm not. Uh, I want you to get your money's worth today. I'm not going to stop there, but we could. If you could just realize that some of us are called to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, and then to do that, to equip the church for his service, it would be enough. They'd be, okay, I got it. We would have to worry about being unified. We would be unified. We would all be together to equip his people for works of service. Why? The rest of the verse says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Is the church supposed to stay stagnant? No. Is the church supposed to stay stuck? No. For how long? Verse 13 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, isn't that the goal for each one of us is to, be, to have the fullness of Christ, to be growing? That's your mission statement, right? Connect, grow, and serve. Ours is connect, grow, and share. Very, uh, we're already partnering. <laughs> grow, isn't that the idea to become the fullness of Christ, to be mature, be unified? Think about what the Big C Church could do, could have done through the years if they were unified instead of fighting amongst themselves. It makes me sick to my stomach. I am so thankful for a church like this that is not territorial. We're not even in the same district. Don't tell. <laughs> it is amazing that we're even here. If churches were more kingdom-minded, less territorial, what could we do for the kingdom? What did he, what Pastor Theo pray about? 40,000 people in Greenfield alone that don't know Christ. What's a small half a percent of that? What can we do 
together. Newsflash. Churches that are stuck and not growing are full of people who are stuck and not growing. I'm not trying to convict you. I'm just, you're all here. You're in church. I'm talking about the other people that aren't here. Churches that get stuck are made of people that are stuck. So why is it important to be united and to be growing in the fullness of Christ? Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If you don't hear anything else, here's the big idea. One thought that I want you to leave today, and it's this. If you want to gain traction, if you want to get unstuck, if you want to gain traction, you have to lean into your vocation. If you want to get unstuck, you have to lean or lean more into your vocation. If you know what it is, it's time to put service to action, those words. I'm going to give you three things, three points to ponder, questions to ask. You can talk about it around your dinner table, talk about it with your kids, your family, and here they are really quickly. When is the best time to get unstuck? Why is it so important to stay unstuck? And what is keeping you stuck or in the muck? So when's the best time to get unstuck? You probably guessed when. Right now, the longer you stay stuck in the mud or stay stuck in the stove, the harder it is going to be to get your car out of the snow. It's not rocket science. The longer you stay stagnant, the longer you're going to be stuck. If you've been feeling that way for some time, there is no better time than right now to get out of the muck out of the snow. You may be feeling that way for a long time and you've been stuck for so long you can't even remember why you felt that way in the first place. Don't leave this building, don't leave your message, your device until you've made a decision to at least explore that with God and say, God, what do you have for my life next? Like Pastor John just shared. What is next? What is the very next step? Hear hear this part. This is not just for ordained ministers. Okay, we are all called to be ministers. When you hear the word vocational calling, it sounds biblical. It sounds uh, ministry-minded. Yes, it is biblical. Yes, it is ministry-minded, but it's not for ordained paid ministers. It's for all of us who claim to be followers of Christ. It is our job to figure out what God has called to our life. And here's the great part. When we do that, God promises to do the same thing for us that he did for King David in Psalm 40, verse 2. He said, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet where? On a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. We may find ourselves from time to time stuck in emotional snow, in mental muck, spiritual mud, but we don't have to stay there. Well, sometimes we choose to stay there because we like throwing ourselves pity parties, don't we? And we're honest. We like it. We've been in it so long, it gets to be comfortable. You make a little igloo out of the snow. You, you love it. Because that's how you've been there for so long, you begin to identify. Everything is negative. Everything is stuck. Everything is, and we like to say, oh, the Lord has left me. Oh, God forsake me. Oh, it's been off. Oh, I can't I have such bad luck. As Christians, we don't believe in luck when we say that. 
Oh, woe is me. We're stuck and we're throwing these pity parties. When's the last time you tried to climb out? When's the last time you put, what is it, kitty litter on your tires? When's the last time you need to put some spiritual kitty litter on your tires? When's the last time you decided to do something? We like to stay comfortable. If we're honest, in church, it's okay, we can not, but deep down we know we like to stay comfortable. We have a, a safety illusion. We, some call it, I've heard it preached as a comfort zone. But we cannot stay in the mud, and here's why. The second ponder. Why is it so important to get unstuck? Simply put, it's for those that we love, for those that God has put in our way, our families. If you're a parent, man, you can't stay stuck. Don't stay stuck for one more second. Why? Because your kids are looking to you to not be stuck. Our families, our coworkers, our neighbors even. It's imp- Why is it important to get unstuck? Because God has placed these people in your way on purpose. There is a reason you are connected with these people. There is a purpose for that. Why get unstuck? Why invest the time learning and growing and getting closer to Jesus and going to church and praying and doing all those things and being an apostle and a prophet and evangelist, pastor and a teacher because God has put them in your way for a reason. The whole message, this, this is a whole message series. So don't get stuck up on that, oh, up the words apostle and evangelist. I know weird things come to mind. I, I could preach uh, all day about that, but I, I won't. I'll just say this. If you don't like the word apostle, just think of the word entrepreneur, a risk taker, someone who is maybe owns a business. They're out there uh, on the forefront. They're visionary leaders. Is God calling you to be that kind of leader? If so, how can you use that for the kingdom? You don't like the word prophet. Hi, I'm Prophet Jason. That's weird. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to be called that. Some people go with that. But it's not like you're in a crystal, with a crystal ball or you're some hermit up in a cave. No, there are modern-day prophets right now. A prophet is someone who has a message from God and shares it with someone else. That's what a prophet is. In modern language, we would use them as people that are fighting for marginalized people, people that are being mistreated. You may be, oh, well, I've done that. Guess what? You're a prophet. What's that phrase? You're a poet and don't even know it? You're a, that doesn't rhyme. A prophet. It doesn't, and you don't know it. You could be. You're often challenging injustices and mistreatment of marginalized people. The word evangelist, that's scary even in church. You immediately go to what? Tele-evangelist. Traveling speakers. I mean, that's what we think of. An evangelist, when the first people read this letter, the church in Ephesus, when they read this, all they saw when they saw the word evangelist was someone who brings the news. Do you know someone who likes to talk? Don't elbow your husband or wife. Do you know someone who likes to talk who love people and love being around people and can just talk and share, especially share what God has laid on their life? Guess what? You're an evangelist. You're a bringer of a message. We call that message the what? Good news. We're okay with pastor, shepherd, teacher. We get an idea in our, in our concept. We understand what those are. But many of you think, well, uh, I'm never going to be a pastor. Do you like to ha- have uh, people in your house? Do you like to entertain? Do you like to go visit people when they're sick? Do you send cards to people? Guess what? You're a shepherd. You're a pastor. It's so, so important that we begin to get unstuck because those people around us need us to be better than we are. Have you heard the phrase about like water? Like if your friends and your family are, are the water they can only be led as high as your container. 
They can only, the water can only go this high in this bottle. And if this bottle represents me or you, it can never get any, no more water can go in here than this. So if I want to be a spiritual Gatorade cooler, I've got to do something. I've got to get unstuck. I want to be a, 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 a water truck. And I want to help people. And I want to bring my family to Jesus. I want my neighbors to spend eternity in heaven. But if I'm a water bottle and it's half full, I'm stuck. I need to drink of water. Thanks, friends. What are you doing to grow? What are you doing? Are you staying comfortable, stuck in the snow? I know this about you because I know this about me. When I, when I think of people in my life that are what I would call a spiritual giant, my father-in-law, for example, when I look to him and I'm thinking, man, when I was a kid, I'll never, never get to that level. I'll never be there. And you know people in your life, are, they're spiritual giants, prayer warriors. And you think, man, I'll never be there. And we can get so almost ashamed and feel guilty. And then it's another reason to stay stuck. I'm never going to be able to help people like they do. We feel ashamed. And we have very little energy to fight for, to get unstuck. Because, well, I'm never going to be as close to God as those mentors were. But I know now being a little older, beginning to understand that they, including John, had to go through trials, had to go through ups and downs, wins and losses, victories and failures. It's a thousand small inward victories. It's a day-by-day denying of self to do what God wants us to do. It's a day-to-day saying, no, I'm not going to be comfortable. I'm going to charge hell with a water pistol because my friends and my family, my neighbor's eternity is on the line. And after a million little wins, then they become the person that we know and see. But we don't see the inside. All we see is that tip of that iceberg. We don't see the bottom. So that gives us courage to say, you know what? I can start today. I can start doing what God wants me to do. Little by little, small victories. And they add up. And you are, once you turn around, you are a water truck helping people. It teaches me that there is no sudden victory. There's no instant spiritual traction. It's not, hey, God, I'm stuck in the snow. Boom, you're out. It doesn't work that way. It takes time. But you've got to start today. When is the right time? Now. Why? It's not about us. It's about what God wants for us and what he wants us to live a life in service to others. And when we do that, we can start feeling unstuck. I'm going to close with this last story. It's the, your third point to ponder. What is keeping you stuck? Heart to heart, if you could just real quickly think about the thing that's causing you to have a blocked relationship with God. That thing that is making you feel stuck, and you probably could come up with it pretty quick. We're not going to go around and share. <laughs> but you know what it is. It's probably only you and God knows what that thing is that's blocking you and keeping you stuck. But for imagine for a moment that you have a four-year-old daughter. I happen to have a four-year-old daughter, so if you don't know a four-year-old, here's one. Um, this is Raylan. Um, so if you need one for this next story, you can picture You can use mine for a little bit. This is not a true story, but it could be very true of Ray. For the sake of the story, let's pretend that Raylan and her mom, Brooke, are going to Kroger. And they get to Kroger, 
and uh, they're checking out. You know how they put all the candy and all the goodies and all the, the stuff in the front because they want you to buy it? And she sees this candy necklace. And she says, Mom, Mom. She would say, Mom, 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 Mom. What? Mom, Mom. What a candy necklace. Well, do you have any money? No! She probably throw a temper tantrum. We don't know. It depends on the mood, the day, the wind, the moon cycle. I have no idea. Sometimes she goes, okay, and sometimes she's like, ugh, and she falls out. But she really wants it. And mommy says, hey, how about this? You go home, help me fold some laundry, feed the dog, walk the dog. We'll give you a couple of dollars. Well, with inflation, I'll give you $7.50. <laughs> and you'll come back to Kroger, and we'll buy this candy necklace. Okay, mommy. It's a miracle. She, she, she bought it. Okay, we take her home. She gets home, and she, you know, walks the dog, which is watching me walk the dog in the cold and snow while she's watching through the window. She helps her mom fold the laundry, which means she's throwing and having fun. But she gets her money together, together, and she goes to Kroger with her mom, and she slaps money down on the table and says, I'll have that candy necklace. She grabs it. Before we even get out of the store, mommy, 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 has open up. Boom! She puts it on, man, and she is, she does this little butt wiggle thing when she's excited, and she would just be like, uh, candy necklace. Takes it home, wears it all day, all night. It's bath time. Raylan, take your, take your, take your, take your candy necklace off. And no. So she, mom calls in the big guns. Dad walks in. Raylan, I love you. Can I have your candy necklace? Uh, that's going to be a no, Dad. It's okay. I love you. Good night. Two days go by. The dog chews on it. She wears it everywhere. Her neck is starting to be nasty. She knows Dad's coming to take it. So I come in and say, Raylan, can I have your candy necklace? And she goes, she thinks hard. She goes, Dad, do you know Raylan? This is a big deal. I'll give you all my stuffies, all my Paw Patrol stuff. Let me keep this. It's okay, baby girl. I love you. Kiss her on her forehead. Good night. Try again later. Two days go by this thing. She's, it's like getting infected. We've got to go to the hospital at some point. <laughs> she knows she's got to take it off. She knows I'm coming. Three days later, she's there. And she can't, can you see her holding out the little necklace? A few pieces of candy left. Tear down her eye. Lips starting to tremble just a little bit. Can't even talk. Can't even say, here, Daddy. Just hands it to me. Her dad takes it, puts it in his pocket, reaches into his other pocket, and he pulls out a real kid-sized pearl necklace, puts it on her neck. Let me ask you a question. What's around your neck? What's that thing that's blocking you from God that you're holding on to with all your might? It's mine, God. You, you cannot have it. It makes me feel safe. It's comfortable. It's mine. Friends, God has a better plan for your life. He wants you to live into your call. He's got a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. I don't know what it is that's causing you to spin your spiritual tires over and over again. Maybe you feel ashamed. Maybe you feel so guilty that you just keep doing whatever it is that you're doing, holding on to that necklace because you can't get any traction because you feel guilty. And so you say, well, I just blew it. I might as well keep doing it. And we do it. And the devil loves that. He keeps us spinning our wheels over and over and over again. But God has a plan for your life. You want to get unstuck? Do it right now. Why? 
because everyone around us, life depends on it. What are you holding on to? If you would give it to God, he's got a better plan for your life. I'm going to ask John to come up and close it. Let us pray. Father, we, um, we're so humbled by your presence in our lives as we sang earlier. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And that, Lord, you are not going to lead us or guide us into a place that will destroy us. Or... But rather, you are going to go before us, and you're going to go with us. And whatever you are calling each of us to this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to open our hands and release that to you this morning, knowing that just as you have been faithful all my life, you will be faithful in this as well. And so we give you thanks and we lift your name higher than any other name because you are worthy And we want the world, we want Greenfield, we want our neighbors and we want our own family and our children to know of the goodness of God. So Lord, go with us today cause the words that have been shared by Jason today to penetrate our hearts and our minds wherever we are stuck and with whatever we are stuck in may we release it to you in Christ's name I pray amen I think just to close there is a sign up sheet I'm not sure what you call that area but um yeah, the foyer area. There's a sign-up sheet there if you would like to be a part of uh, our prayer team for uh, City Church Greenfield, and uh, you'll get email updates and things from Pastor Jason, and um, keep a, uh, a tab on what's going on and how you can pray for us, not just now, but going ongoing uh, as we move forward. And so if you would want to do that and sign up, that's out there for you to do so. And so again, thank you and thank you, Pastor Leo, so much for uh, giving us this opportunity to share this morning.